Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is, Don't Settle. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. Well, we're continuing in the, in the book of Hebrews, and we are going to be uh, wrapping up the study within the next uh, couple of weeks. One of the challenging things, especially in the book of uh, Hebrews or, or anywhere, is you could, you could be in one book for a, a long time. It's kind of sometimes hard to find the natural places uh, to break. And, uh, and one thing that you also notice, um, and this is kind of a inside information on like uh, theology books and things like that. I, I remember going to seminary and seeing these books that were, you know, this thick and going, oh my gosh, what in the world? And what you realize is as you read through them, they just basically start repeating themselves. And then they're saying the same thing in a little bit different way. And it's, and it's good because it helps you get your mind around it. Uh, but Hebrews kind of does that. It says some of the same things in different ways. And so trying to figure out, okay, exactly where we're going to break is, is a challenge. Uh, but we're going hit to a, hit a topic today that I think is, is very important. But to remember and to think about how we got to this place. We're going to be in chapters 7 and 8 today in the book of Hebrews. And remember, Hebrews is written uh, to a group of people, to a group of Christians who have a strong Jewish background. Uh, many of them probably grew up in the, uh, going to the synagogue and, and participating in the sacrifices and things like that. Um, and now they're uh, following Christ, but there's still a, a tie there with uh, their ancient Jewish roots. Um, but now things are starting to get tough for them. They're probably starting to be some persecution that's going on. It's, it's not easy to be a Christian. Um, and there's a pressure to kind of go back to the way that it was. And, uh, and so we see that the writer in Hebrews is kind of, it's, a, it's one long sermon, basically, of encouragement. Encouraging them to continue moving forward, to continue worshiping uh, Christ. And, uh, and so it makes the case in the first few chapters of how uh, nobody is greater than Jesus, right? It says he's greater than the angels. He's greater than all the, all the people that there's no one greater than him. Um, and he talks about and then it's through him that you're going to find rest, that you're going to find peace. Um, and then it has that wonderful chapter that has caused so much uh, controversy, chapter 6, that talks about falling away and, and the possibility of, of losing your salvation, right? And that's what we focus on. But really what that passage is talking about is how he is the anchor for our soul. And it kind of ends with that. That, no, he is the anchor. That if we put our trust in him, that, uh, that we know that we will be secure. Uh, he provides that security. He provides that rest. And uh, the very end of chapter 6 talks about how now he is the new high priest, right? So things are changing, and it's kind of moving into that. And in chapter 7, it introduces this interesting, interesting character uh, called Melchizedek, right? And, and people uh, argue over how that's pronounced, and, and I, I know that I butcher names in Hebrew. And I took Hebrew, and I still butcher names because I don't know. And, uh, and so, uh, but like is the C-H a K or a ch, you know, and, and, uh, and I think it's a K. And, uh, but uh, but Melchizedek, he's not around to correct me, and so I don't think I'm, I'm offending him. But, uh, but you have this interesting character that, 
that is, uh, comes in, and is used to kind of identify uh, that Christ is becoming the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And, uh, and what's happening here is the author of Hebrews is bringing the people to a dramatic change. And change is interesting. We typically don't do well with change, right? Now, sometimes in our head, we like the thought of change, but then when it actually starts to happen, we, we say, you know, I, I, I kind of like the way that it was. You know, I, I would want you to think about if uh, you went to college or whenever you transitioned from being in the house with parents to outside of the house. You know, I can remember that's a dramatic change. And, uh, you know, there's, there's times when you're 15, uh, 16, you're like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready just to be, I'm, I'm ready for that change. I don't want to be in the house anymore. I don't want mom and dad to be able to tell me what to do. I want to be able to, I, I can do better. You're, right, you're all ready for that change and, and stuff like that. And you're trying to get out of the house and, and mom and dad are like, oh, you probably don't want to do that, you know. And, but we're really excited. And I can remember whenever that time finally came to, for me and I'm in college. And, uh, and, and I think most people have this moment whenever they've left the house for the first time that it kind of all hits you. And it's kind of like, uh, what now? And, and you're like, is this really what I wanted? You know, it was a whole lot easier when I knew who was going to wash all my clothes. Right? It was, you know, and it was a lot easier whenever I knew that food was going to be on the table in the evening. Right, and you have this moment where you're like, oh, this is what I thought I really wanted. And now that it's here, you know, I kind of would like to go back there. Right? And, uh, and, and it can become a, a very uh, interesting dynamic. And it's funny, that, you know, because now there's uh, all kinds of things of, of kids staying at home forever. Right? You know, and, uh, I don't know if you saw uh, the, uh, there was that uh, a lawsuit that a son or something, he was like in his 30s, was suing his parents for getting rid of his Legos. Right? How awesome is that? I mean, what, what a great world, whatever you can actually use all of those words in a sentence. <laughs> Lawsuit, parents, Legos. You know, I mean, that, that's awesome. And, uh, but it, it's silly, and, but, but it shows, one of the things it shows is that change is tough. And that comes from both sides, right? And, uh, you know, the, sometimes it's the, a child that just doesn't want to grow up. Sometimes it's parents that don't want. There's all kinds of things. But any kind of change is difficult, right? And, and one of the temptations is whenever we start to experience change, even though we know this is what needs to happen, when it starts getting tough, what do we want to do? Revert back to what's comfortable. And so the people that the writer is writing to, that's kind of what they're experiencing. They've experienced this new change, but yet now it's starting to become a little bit difficult, and there's a temptation just to go back to the way that it was. And he's saying, no, because we, there is more for you to experience. It is better for you to experience that change and to move forward. So I want to start just reading the first three verses of chapter 7. And this uh, introduces uh, this priest Melchizedek. It says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, meaning 
king of peace, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So this is a really interesting character that we really don't know a whole lot about. Uh, This is referring back to Genesis. It's in Genesis chapter 14. And uh, what was happening, if you remember, Abraham uh, had a nephew named Lot. And Lot was kind of a little flaky, and he didn't really want to go with Abraham. And so he actually went to Sodom, uh, which was a really bad choice. And, uh, and especially for what would happen later. But uh, so he goes to Sodom. Well, there's all kinds of, you know, little kingdoms uh, in that day and time. And so there's a, uh, battles, and, and Lot actually gets taken uh, captive. And so Abraham organizes a group. They go and they defeat uh, the, the kings that had taken uh, Lot and things like that, bring back all the plunder, all of that stuff, and they run into uh, two kings, the king of Sodom and then Melchizedek. Right? And, uh, and what happens is Melchizedek blesses them, and he is identified as being a priest of the same God that they worship, which is it's, it's kind of out of nowhere. It's really interesting. And so then Abraham actually shows him respect and, and, uh, and gives a tenth of everything that they've uh, received to Melchizedek. And, and then so later in the scripture, in Psalms, in Psalm 110, we see that there will be a priest that is coming that's in the line of Melchizedek. Right? And so one of the things that we see here are these two, uh, two examples, two important um, uh, themes Melchizedek is the king of righteousness as well as the king of peace. Righteousness and peace. Those are two very important things to a relationship with God. Both of them are needed in order to have a full relationship with God. And what happened with the original covenant is those were kind of split apart. Right? And so you had righteousness that was that the Levites or the priests were they were responsible for, and peace making everybody making things right in that relationship with the world around you and things like that. That was kind of left off to the to the actual kings. You know, or eventually, they wanted a king, so it kind of became the political arm, and and so you had these two separate things, and uh, and the problem with that is that they were separated, and so they. Equal, both of them weren't as effective as they could be, right? And so saying that the, the new priest, the way that Jesus is going to do things is he's going to unite those things to, together. He's the king of righteousness as well as the king of peace. And see, there's a problem there if, if you just kind of back off and start thinking about it. Righteousness is what? Focused on right living, Right? It's, and, uh, and so the priests were focused on making sure that people lived correctly, Right? And, then, and then they created, they knew that people wouldn't. And so there's this sacrificial system that in order to, to uh, pay for that, you uh, offered sacrifices. But the focus became on, well, you just need to live right. Well, that's, that's good. That's one focus. But then there also needs this focus that you need to be reconciled to God, to have a relationship with him, which is where you find peace. Right? And so both of those things needed to happen. And, uh, and I, I used this example earlier, and, uh, and I did take a muscle relaxer. I pulled a muscle in my back, so I really don't know if this is a good uh, illustration or not. 
but uh, that's what I'm um, uh, blaming it on. But, uh, you know, there's sometimes things um, apart are pretty good, but when you put them together, they're even better. Right? And this is really, yeah, some of you are already having things come to your mind. I don't know, have you ever had those foods that you ate a whole lot as a kid that you just really liked, but then it's kind of a kid's food, and so you quit eating it, and, uh, but then as an adult, you eat it again, and you're like, man, this is pretty good. Well, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Man, I've eaten, I eat so many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and then you become a, an adult, and you're like, ah, I'm not going to do that. And then you eat it again, and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Well, the thing that makes it great, right, is the combination of peanut butter and jelly. Just a peanut butter sandwich is really, eh, it's okay, right? But your mouth kind of gets sticky and, you know, but if you add the jelly to it, oh, it's perfect, right? And it all comes together and it's so unhealthy, but it's really good, right? And, uh, and so things sometimes work a lot better together than they do apart, and now I know that's a horrible transition from peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to something that really matters. But righteousness and peace have to work together in order for us to have a true relationship and a restorative relationship with God. We have to have the right living as well as the reconciliation that makes peace. And the system that had been set up the old way was those were kind of broken out. Right? And the problem was is you had humans that were trying to show people how to live right. And so the only way they could really do that was just to make a whole lot of rules. Right? And then they wouldn't even be able to live up to those rules. Right? And so they would have to offer sacrifices for themselves to be able to then to offer sacrifices for the people. Right? And it just it wasn't great. And then peace, forget about it. Right? We, we, we can't, as humans, we just can't even get close to peace hardly. Right? The more we try, sometimes the farther we get. And whenever I'm talking about peace, I'm just talking about being right with God and right with the world around you. Right? And that's just really hard for us. And so this new way, there's this new priest, and that is who Jesus is. And he is able to do both. And so it's trying to move, than that, but that's a huge change from the way. And it, it's harder for us to understand it because we don't, we don't understand what being uh, rooted in that Jewish faith is like, right? But they were rooted in that faith, and now they're being told, no, Jesus does both of it. And it's, and it's much better, but that's where you need to change, and you need to move that way because it is better. And the problem is, is like we've talked about, sometimes whenever you move to something that you know is better, when it gets hard, it's so easy just to revert back to the way that it was. And I want to read chapter 8, because chapter 8 is, is making this case of the importance of changing, of the new covenant. So chapter 8, the point of what we are saying is this. So again, kind of wrapping up this idea of Jesus being the new high priest says, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. 
They serve at, at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, and this is from the book of Jeremiah. It says, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and, be, and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will any man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear so he's making the case that things are changing that the old way is being made obsolete and he brings up this interesting idea in the old way he talks about the tabernacle talks about the temple the temple had a place in it that was called the holy of holies and the belief and the, the literal belief was that the holy of holies that is where heaven and earth met that is where you, uh, the God's presence truly dwelt. And, uh, and so each year, the, uh, 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 whenever they would go to, to offer sacrifices and things like that, the, a priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. And, and it was a very dangerous thing. And, and like there's evidence and they know that they would tie a rope around the, uh, the priest's um, foot. Because if he's not worthy and he enters into the Holy of Holies, what's going to happen? Ah, that's it, right? You're not worthy. And uh, they would put bells uh, on, on the robes. And so, you know, if you quit jingling, they know, ah, wrong priest this year, right? Like, I mean, this, is a, this was a, a serious thing. And, uh, and, but, but the problem was is if you just limit God's presence to this one place on the Holy of Holies... You're, you're really limiting what God is trying to do, right? And that's what was happening. And, and they, were, they had made it so much of a religion that they weren't realizing, no, God is much bigger than that. And what the writer is saying, and there at the end, it's interesting to think about, you know, exactly when this was written, of course. He says it's making it obsolete, and it's, uh, and it's going to basically be tearing down, and it will soon disappear, well, this was probably written just a few years before the temple would be destroyed. And so the temple now, and there, to this day, there is no temple. There is no holy of holies. Right? And so if your way of thinking that the only place that heaven and earth met, that God was present on the earth, was this holy of holies, that's gone now. And God, well, what do you do? And so this writer is saying, no, there is something more. That Jesus is the great high priest. That not only does he show us how to live, not only does he deal with that issue of righteousness and forgiveness, but then he also brings us to peace with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. 
right? It's everything can be found in him. And it's so much better than the old way. But yet, so often, whenever things get tough, we just want to go back to what's comfortable. For us, it's a little bit different. It's not quite the same. But I would say that the principle stays the same. Some of us still live kind of with the same relationship with God that we've had since we were a kid, right? And we talk about the, how, how wonderful having a childlike faith is, and it is. But, you know, if, we, if our faith is still kind of that way that we believe, oh, yeah, God loves us, and he died for me and rose again, and I love him. That's a great starting point. But, man, there is so much more. And see, what happens is whenever we kind of start moving forward and we start uh, actually saying, you know, not only do I believe that God's going to forgive me, but I want to live my life in a righteous manner. I want to start actually living my life the way that God says. And we start to do that, we start running into some really tough times. It's like, no, this isn't real easy. And so the temptation is to kind of go back to say, you know what, I just like it where God loves me. You know, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this extra stuff. You know, but the problem is, is the extra stuff is so much better. Our life becomes so much more full. And we're able to experience the joy and the peace of God in ways that you can never experience unless you move towards maturity in Him. And, and it's kind of like whenever we go off to college... And this was my experience, and I think a lot of people experience this. And you kind of make that break to now you're on your own. You know, and really where you live doesn't, it doesn't really play into here. But when you kind of break to that place where, you know what, I'm not relying on my parents anymore. I'm actually relying on me. It's terrifying, and it's really hard, but it's also extremely fulfilling. And you start realizing, oh, this is my purpose. This is who I am. You know, and, you, and, and again, it's not easy. And there's still times you're like, man, I really liked it whenever mom and dad did everything for me. But you recognize, no, but this is a much better place. And so why would you trade that in for something that was less? The writer in Hebrews is trying to tell the people, don't trade in what you have in Christ for something that is less than. And the great thing is, is the more that we start to get to know Christ, the more that we seek his righteousness, the more that we experience his peace, the the more fulfilled we are going to get and the better it's going to get. doesn't mean life is necessarily going to get easier, but our relationship with him will get better and we'll be able to experience, I believe, even more joy and more peace because we are recognizing who he is and we're living our life in him and we're not moving backwards. We don't need to settle for something that is less than what God is offering. He's offering so much more for us. He offers us a new way to live and he offers us a peace in our relationship not only with him but with the world around us. And that frees you to live the life that God created you to live. Don't settle for something less.
than what God has in store for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to experience your presence in a very real and powerful way. And Lord, I pray that we will not settle for what is less, that we will strive to become more and more mature in you and draw closer to you so that we can live the life you created us to live. Lord, we know that change can be difficult and that it can be a temptation to kind of move backwards. But I pray, Lord, that we will continue to strive to move closer and closer to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.